Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where I open up my family room to talk about the week's lessons from Come Follow Me. I'm not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I'm just an average Latter-day Saint seeking to grow my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures. Discussing Come Follow Me with others helps me in my conversion. I hope you'll join in the gospel dialogue by sharing your insights. Without further ado, let's start this family room discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode 31, following along with the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel, Acts chapter 16 to 21. And this whole lesson is entirely focused about missionary work. So through the introduction, it says, among the Lord's final words to his apostles was the commandment, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. While the apostles didn't quite make it to all the nations, or to all nations, Acts chapter 16 to 21 does show that Paul and his companions did make remarkable progress in establishing the church. They taught, baptized, and conferred the gift of the Holy Ghost. They performed miracles, even raising a man from the dead, and foretold the great apostasy. And the work they started continues with living apostles today, along with the... Stuttered there, along with devoted disciples like you, who are helping fulfill the Savior's commission in ways Paul never could have imagined. Perhaps you are aware of people who do not know their Heavenly Father or His gospel. Perhaps you have felt that your spirit was stirred in you to share with them what you know about Him. If you follow Paul's example of humility and boldness in sharing the gospel, you may find someone whose heart the Lord has opened. So let's talk here about missionary work, and that's where the focus is going to be. Mostly I just have kind of thoughts that came from the lesson rather than an organized thing, so... We'll just go through this. And in section one, it says, the spirit will guide me in my efforts to share the gospel. And it's that truth, actually, that has helped me in missionary work. When I recognize and when I remember that the that God does not want me to fail when it comes to preaching his gospel, right? This is his work. And as the leader of his work, he wants to make sure it's successful. So how do... The key, I think, is to remembering that the spirit will guide you in your efforts because he guides me, he guides all of us. And... That ultimate key was actually mentioned up above in the introduction. It's that we have to blend humility and boldness. One, you have to remember when you're preaching the gospel to be humble, that it's God's work. It's not your work. It's not about you being great. It's about remembering this is for God's greatness. I think we all tend to be, we kind of either struggle with one or the other when it comes to uh, humility or boldness that... um, and I have been one of those people who's actually tended to struggle with one or the other type of thing uh, on my on my two year mission uh, as a set apart missionary. I struggled with boldness. I struggled being bold. I with kind what of, was almost constantly in a state of humility, um, but kind of being bold and sharing the gospel is what I really struggled with and, and worked on. Near the end of my mission, it was probably actually humility I struggled with. I was very confident in talking to people near the end. I had figured out, especially a different culture, being in the South is a very different culture than being in Utah. And I figured out those kind of, uh, what worked, what, what opening lines, how to get your foot in the door with people. And once I learned that it was easy to be bold. It was easy to, especially being in the Bible belt, you know, people talk about it being difficult. It's actually similar to any mission, there's, there's different difficulties, but talking about Jesus is not difficult in the South. Everyone wants to talk about Jesus. Maybe not everyone, but most everyone wants to talk about Jesus. And so being bold in that way was, was not difficult. 
And so then I, I struggled being humble, remembering constantly that it's not my work, it's God's work. And, you know, when you're kind of day in and day out preaching the gospel, it can be easy to, you're, when you're feeling the Holy Ghost, it's easy to have that confidence and kind of having that feeling of power, especially as a set-apart missionary, feeling God's power, I think it's easy to be tempted to say, well, this is me. I'm, I'm the man. I'm the guy. And so that's where I had to work on humility. And I, you know, I kind of go back and forth. You have to blend the two. And so maybe you'll have experiences where you also are having to work on that balance and remembering to stay humble, but stay bold. And so, um, anyway, I digress in, here's a couple of scriptures. So in Acts chapter 18, verse 26, we learn about this, uh, this Jew named Apollos and he is teaching the gospel and two, uh, two disciples over here. It says, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And I love the way that that is described. So here he is, he's mighty in the scriptures and been instructed in the ways of the Lord talks about that in verse 25, but, um, He'd only kind of known about the baptism of John. He didn't know about Christ's full gospel. So he comes and he's boldly preaching. And these two disciples, um, and I, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but Aquila or Aquila, I don't know. I, I'm going to stick with Aquila. It sounds better. Aquila and Priscilla, they hear him and they're like, they take him aside. And, and where it says they taught him more perfectly, to me that's like being able to take someone who uh, believes in Jesus Christ but they don't have the full gospel. And instead of saying, well, I'm going to correct you, I'm going to correct, because that's not what God does. God adds to our knowledge. You and I do not know everything. Now, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have a testimony and we believe that all truth is found in the Church of Jesus Christ, that that this is the church he set up. Therefore, we have the scriptures, we have all the scriptures. Um, we are able to be instructed perfectly. But you and I still do not have all of the truth. We're learning all of the truth, and we know the correct sources and where to go to receive that revelation. In that same way, though, where we are instructed more perfectly as we go to church each Sunday and as we study the scriptures and on and on, in the same way, God does not seek to take away um, truth from people. So someone from another church, whether Christian or non-Christian, it's not God's intent to take away the actual truths that they have learned, because there's truth can be found anywhere. Instead, he wants to teach us more perfectly. And so I love how these two missionaries, we learn of this example where they don't say like, oh, hey, you are completely teaching the gospel incorrectly. Rather, they're like, hey, you know about these truths and we would love to add to the truth which you already have. And that's how we can be more perfect missionaries is that when we look at it as we're all working on knowing more truth, I think everyone wants to have more truth. Everyone wants to know how to be able to have eternal life or or that in different religions, it's being able to find that Zen or being able to have that holistic life, um, living more fully. Every religion has the intent and purpose of teaching us to live better lives. And as we recognize and have the testimony that we know how to have eternal life, or we know that at least the pathway that needs to happen to be able to receive it, we can add to the truth that other people have. So don't look at it as I need to take away things from people. Look at it as we have this truth. And if you would like to know more, I would love to be able to teach you. 
I would love to be able to introduce you to the missionaries and remembering uh, President Russell M. Nelson's talk from years ago, ask the missionaries, they can help you. And then in Acts chapter 21, 11 through 14, it says, and when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jew at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when he had heard these things, both we and they of the place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not only to be not not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying the will of the Lord be done. And speaking of the Holy Ghost, this particular instance, which is a couple chapters later, uh, you know, Paul's gonna go up to Jerusalem, and there's this. Uh, I, I, I believe in the scripture it calls him like a prophet or, or someone who has the spirit of prophecy in him. And he kind of, so he binds Paul's girdle, right? And says, they, the Jews will bind the same man who owns this girdle, which was Paul, and will deliver him to the Gentiles. And the disciples that were there with him, they start weeping. They're like, no, don't go. Like they're urging him not to go. And he, Paul already knew this though. He'd already had insight. He knew what was going to come or at least had some inkling of what his fate would be um, and recognized that this was the process. He was going to have to be bound. He was going to have to be imprisoned and go through this trial to be able to accomplish the purpose the Lord had for him. And I think it's interesting, back to the point of the Holy Ghost, how is it, a question rather, how is it that the Holy Ghost can tell us different things? Because... And not even necessarily different things. How is it that when the Holy Ghost does tell us things that we interpret them differently? Because here, Paul does not reject anything that um, that this individual was saying. He he agreed that he was going to be bound, but Paul seemed to be at peace with it. Whereas everyone else was like, "What are you doing? This is don't do this. this. Is a bad thing. We don't want you to be bound. We don't want you to be killed." You know, and he says, "No, I'll I'm willing to be to not only be bound but to die." For Jesus. Um, I think in the church, it's something that we need to work on of recognizing, especially that that the Holy Ghost can tell us um, the same thing and we can have different or unique uh, perspectives on what we're being told. That it, we don't all have to feel uniformly about Revelation and that uh, I've shared this experience before, but it's one that I, it, it was such a prominent experience that I think highlights this. Um, my friend and I had a female friend back, back when we were in college who was deba- debating whether she should go on a mission or not. And she had kind of shared her perspective and wanted to know what we thought. And me and my friend had very different perspectives on this. He said, you should absolutely go because she had shared that, you know, she had, had desires to serve, but d- just didn't feel that strong inclination to go. And he said, well, you should serve. I think you should serve. And I said that I defaulted to not serving. I said, I would, if, if it's not something you strongly feel, I was like, a mission is far too difficult, far too hard to not be committed to the fact that you want to dedicate your life to going. I was like, it's not a, oh, I think it could be a good thing or, well, you know, nothing, because nothing bad will come of it, of course, it's it's a good thing to do. I said, no, no, you need to be committed that this is what you want to do and it's something you want to serve, you know. Two different perspectives, two different answers, and 
both him and I were still united when it came to ultimately God will direct you with the path that will lead to your ultimate happiness and success in life. And him and I, it was such a cool moment because while we both were saying completely different answers, we were both completely united one with another on how we felt that we were kind of, you know, our, our hearts were knit together here. It was a cool moment. And I think in the same way, it's why, it's why we have the apostles because all of them come from different experiences and life perspectives and they work together when they receive revelation. They don't all see it the exact same. And so it's why it can take years for policy changes to occur and to happen because um, this is the way God works in his kingdom. This is how his kingdom is set up is that our unique perspectives are wanted in God's kingdom. We're not supposed to all be the same. We're not supposed to be, we're not supposed to think the same or uh, even have our priorities the exact same. We're going to prioritize different things and that's how it's meant to be. So it, it, I find it funny when people get frustrated about that because to me, that is how God works. And this is a great example of, you know, Paul recognized what was meant to happen for his life, but obviously it's his friend's job to want to protect him and not want him to die. And so, of course, they were going to weep for him and try and convince him not to go. We all play different roles, and I think that's important. I think it plays out the way it's supposed to be. Or the, the things play out the way they're supposed to happen, especially when we're all following uh, direction from the Holy Ghost. And then in section three, it says, we are the offspring of God. From the lesson, it says in Athens, Paul found people with diverse opinions and religious views. They were always seeking to hear some new thing. And what Paul had to offer was definitely new to them. They worshiped many gods, including one they called the unknown God. But they believed that gods were powers or forces, not living personal beings, and certainly not our father. Um, I worry in our day that we fall into the same attitudes that the people of Athens had, where we are so focused. <coughs> Excuse me, I need like water. Apparently my throat got super <clears throat> dry uh, talking too much. I worry that we're, we're too much like the people in Athens where we're so worried and focused on learning something new. Um, th we get bored with the fundamentals of the gospel, uh, the eternal truth that will save our lives, that we focus on learning, you know, some fringe teaching or some fringe principle that doesn't really matter, doesn't super apply. Elder Holland one time joked about how we worry so much about what the uh, eternal temperatures are of of a deity that we we don't even know how to be able to preach what the principles of the gospel are and i think that's true similar to the people in athens we're so worried about learning or knowing more than other people that we completely fail to be converted to uh gospel fundamentals and the reason it's so concerning is because when you go and put yourself when you put your focus on learning these deeper things I shouldn't say deeper things. It makes it sound like it's uh, kind of worth learning. There's nothing wrong with it either. Like, I love learning new things um, about church history. I love learning things about kind of the eternities. Um, but if I'm not centered, if I'm not rock solid in the fundamentals of the gospel, then... The danger is, and Joseph Smith taught about this, if you go too far out on the branches without being um, like strengthened in the core and the roots of the tree, 
then the if the branches break, you have no foundation to fall to. You're just going to essentially fall off the tree. And I've seen that. I've seen that where incredibly intelligent individuals, people who have I've looked up to and always was like, man, I wish I was smart as they were, where they found themselves just <clears throat> looking so much for new truth that the, the new truths, uh, air quotes, the new truths they end up finding are not within the gospel principles. It's not within um, God's eternal truths. It's some truth that Satan has given them and that completely takes them off the path to eternal life. And so they have found themselves now in this situation of like, they're actually no longer intelligent. Uh, they're able to speak as if they're intelligent, but when I sit there and listen, I'm like, yeah, this this isn't actually anything intelligent that could lead anyone to eternal life. This will just lead you to a feeling of lostness, a feeling of a, a lack of purpose or a lack of fulfillment. Um, it's kind of like constantly gorging yourself, but never being satisfied. And I think that is what Satan would love for all of us is to, is to be similar to these people in Athens. So I worry about that. I think that's a concern. And uh, just make sure that as you are, because I love to learn. I'm, I'm, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Strengths Finder test. It's this test where essentially you're, you have five key strengths, core strengths, uh, out of 32 or 34 or something like that. And there's no such thing as weaknesses in this test. There's just, you know, lesser strengths. I've talked about this before. One of my, my number two is learner. It's called learner. It just means it's a strength of, I love to learn new things. Um, mine specifically, I actually learn, love to learn everything. It says that it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a cereal box. It could be a textbook. I just love to learn, which is true. That's true for me. And because of this, I have had to make sure to gauge and stop myself to make sure that I'm not trying to just learn a bunch of new things. I have to make sure that I'm rooted in gospel fundamentals always uh, because it is very easy for me to, you know, be like, well, let's find some, some books by some random authors who have something to say, uh, something interesting to say or read. And I also love learning about, you know, the old philosophers and hearing kind of how they came. So anyway, I have to have checks and balances and thankfully Lex is very, Lex is a fundamentalist. So she's my, my anchor, my rock because she gets annoyed when I'm like, have you ever thought about this? She's like, just shut your mouth and just focus on what does the Book of Mormon teach us? I'm like, fair enough. It's not as fun, but it is a safety net that I rely upon. So, um, <clears throat> there's two additional scriptures that I want to read. It wasn't part of this lesson necessarily, but two things that I wanted to, to share, and then we'll conclude. One is in Acts chapter 20, verses 9 and 10. And it says, And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. That is a fantastic story. I mean, can you imagine being the young man? You're sitting at this window. You're trying to listen to Paul's teachings and you fall asleep. You fall asleep in Sunday school. But unlike the typical, which is that you just wake up snoring and people are staring at you, you fall out a third story window. I think this story is fascinating for two reasons, and it's it's because of this. One, Paul could have miraculously saved him, obviously. I think that's the um, kind of the intent of the story is that 
this guy falls out the window, he's taken dead, and Paul saves him. But I think there's also a potential alternative. Both obviously have the Holy Ghost, so I want to make that clear. But there is also another alternative to this story, which is that he actually fell from the third story window. He didn't die, um, but he passed out as if he was dead. And through the Holy Ghost, when Paul falls on him and embraces him, the Holy Ghost actually says he's not dead. He'll be fine. Um, I'm fine either way. It doesn't matter. I think the story does not change at all for me, whether the young man really did die and Paul embraces him and brings him back to life. Or he wasn't actually dead. He just passed out, but he looked as if he was dead. Cause again, anyone who falls out of three story, third story window, I think you'd assume would be dead. Um, and then Paul through the Holy ghost, right? Like, cause they didn't have modern medicine. Paul through the Holy ghost is like, Oh no, he's actually going to be fine. He's, you know, his ribs are broken, but he's going to be fine. Um, either way, miraculous story. It doesn't matter to me. I just think that's a crazy story. And, the lesson is don't fall asleep in Sunday school. And then in Acts chapter 20, verse 31, it says, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And the lesson for us that sticks out is watch and remember. These are the, these are the most basic things. You should write this down on your bathroom mirror. Watch and remember. That is what we are doing. That is what we need to do every single day is to watch and remember and because we forget constantly and because we typically aren't looking <laughs> for like the savior every day, even though we should be, uh, the lesson is like train your eyes to be looking for Christ and to be looking for his works and doing his works. And then remember, remember him constantly because Satan wants us to forget every minute of every day. So here's the invitation I'd like to leave you with in Acts 19, Acts chapter 19. We learn of some sons of Sceva. I think it's Sceva, maybe Sceva. I don't know. There's a lot of words that I just pretend like I know how to pronounce and I'm never going to look them up. Um, so sons of Sceva, and it's a group of Jews who were trying to perform exorcisms. In verse 15, as they're trying to perform this exorcism on this guy, and this an evil spirit answers uh, and says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are ye? And I just want to stop for a moment and, and ask you to imagine that you have done so many good works that you are known by name by the evil spirits on the other side and, and the good spirits, of course, but, but by the evil spirits, right? That you've done so many good works that the evil spirits are like, oh, you, we know, and, and you know, we're terrified of you. I invite you to be that person, be that person who the spirits on the other side know of the good works that you're doing and recognize it. Um, be that person. Thank you for joining my family room discussion. And until we meet again, have a blessed week.